Welcome to I Like the Way You Work It, a podcast from your friends at Dateline Digital Printing. At Dateline, we care a lot about taking unusually good care of people and helping them do their very best work. This podcast is a gift to the remarkable people we have the honor of serving. And now, I Like the Way You Work It, with your host, Jeff Welch. everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Like the Way You Work It. I am Jeff Welch, and today I'm going to fly solo because I want to talk to you about an idea that's really been rolling around in my head lately. The idea of starting before you're ready. And I know that this is something that I struggle with, and in conversations with other people, I don't think I'm alone. So I wanted to share some observations about what it means to to start something before you're ready and the value in doing that. And maybe it will encourage you a little bit. Maybe it'll inspire you to kind of reevaluate some of the projects you're working on and the things that you are involved in. So when I talk about starting something, um, I often look at it from very much from a creative standpoint. Like I love to make things. I like to record music. I like to, I mean, obviously podcast and write and do a bunch of stuff that many of you see me do. Um, but it's not limited to just the the creative side of things. So when I talk about starting something, I want to take a broader view of that. And instead of thinking about just making something and being creative, thinking about uh, maybe you want to start volunteering someplace. Maybe you want to have an impact in your community and you're just sort of on the fence about whether you're ready, whether you have the, the requisite skills or, or whatever you need to, to go help in some way. Maybe you want to plan a dinner party. You've been you know, thinking for a while about getting a bunch of friends together and it's the thing you just kind of kick the can down the road because there's always a good reason to put it off. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, inviting people into your house is intimidating or, or maybe you're not sure if everyone's going to be able to come or, you know, how you're going to feel about some of those kind of things. Um, it can be uh, a marketing campaign in, in your job where you are coming up with plans for how to share your message. Uh, can be starting a podcast like this. It can be having kids, quite frankly. Um, the, the bottom line with all of these things is that whatever it is that you want to be doing that you are not doing, um, there's, there's probably part of you that's waiting for this moment when you're ready. And I think kids are a great example because uh, I have a, an 11, almost 12-year-old, and if I have any wisdom at all, which is that's really asking a lot because there's, there's not much here, but if I have any at all, it's that you will never be fully ready for that. And even when you think you're ready, man, you have no idea how not ready you are. And so sometimes we, we have this idea of what ready looks like. Like it is having all of our ducks in a row and everything's perfect. And at some level, what we're really hoping for is that we're going to finally arrive at this place and in the scenario where we can't fail, right? Where when we embark on this, there is no possibility of failure. We want that warm, fuzzy feeling. We want to just know everything is going to be all right. And I can say for near certainty that you are are almost never going to get there in any part of your life. 
uh, there's always going to be some risk that that exists in changing something or doing something new and um, so it it really is about developing a sense of ready enough of do I have myself in a position like you should not have kids if you are wholly unprepared to have children, right? You need to have thought about this and to believe that there's a good reason to have, to make new humans into the world, right? That's, that's kind of a big deal. So I'm not saying be flip about it. Uh, what I am saying is develop a bias for action. Develop a sense that um, when you start things, that there is an amount of preparation that is necessary and then beyond that, you realize where it's kind of fluff right? And so I know for myself, I am really good at planning a project into non-existence, right? So I have something that I would love to do. I have something that I'm really thinking about starting and I immediately go into planning mode. I immediately go into, uh, okay, here's what I need to do to be prepared for this because I am a, a very orderly and prepared kind of person. The problem, of course, is that I fall into that trap of wanting to make it perfect and there there just are no perfect things and so what i've had to do is train myself it's like self-management here i've had to train myself to say uh is this necessary are the rabbit trails you're going down are the things that you are focusing on are the ducks that you're getting in a row really important or are you simply trying to do all of your homework in an attempt to not actually have to do the real work right? Uh, my wife was working on something yesterday and she would sort of interrupt herself on this project that needed to get done to work on other things because the big project she needed to work on was intimidating. And when she was telling me about it, I'm like, yeah, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. I do that all the time. As soon as something, it comes time to actually do something, I can find 10,000 other things to start and work on and mess around with that seem really important in the moment because that is the thing that is keeping me from doing the hard, scary work. So so let's talk about procrastination then. I, I want to talk about um, why we put things off. And in my mind, from my experience, it comes down to three kind of basic arenas, right? So one reason we put things off is that we don't like to do it. And I think that this is a much smaller percentage of the procrastinating we do than we think. I would argue that most of us think we procrastinate things that we don't like, uh, that when we procrastinate, it's because we don't like the action. Um, and that is like, so clean on the toilets, right? I don't, I don't know anyone who's just like, that's the f most fun part of their day is to clean the bathroom or clean the toilets. Uh, and so that's that's an action that we don't like doing. And so it's easy for us to say, well, tomorrow, I'll do that tomorrow because we put off the sort of icky activity until later. I think more often it falls into the, the category of either decision-making or fear. And they're really kind of connected. So when I say decision-making, I mean, in a lot of cases, when I'm procrastinating something, what I'm really procrastinating is having to make a decision. My wife and I um, went to the uh, optometrist the other day, and my wife needs to pick out these these glasses, right? And you go look at this wall of all of these different kinds of frames, and she's never worn glasses before, so it's like starting from scratch. And she's looking at all these frames and debating and all this kind of stuff, and you leave the store saying, okay, well, we've done some homework, we'll go do some more homework, and we'll come back to it. 
But that's easy to kick down the road. Oh, I'll pick up frames tomorrow or next week. Um, because what we're, what we're afraid of is making this decision, right? Where we don't want to have to choose. And glasses, you know, obviously that's, that's kind of, it seems like a small thing, but it's a, it's a big deal. You wear them on your face all day long. They really become a part of who you are. And so it's scary to make some of those decisions. And I, I would imagine if you think back on a handful of things that you procrastinated in the past, you will find there was a decision that was in your way. There was something that you're like, I don't want to have to just say yes or no to that, or I don't want to have to, you know, pick a lane. And so we procrastinate. So we put it off a little bit. And so I think that decision, often there's a fear component to decision, uh, to, to why we procrastinate uh, and, and don't want to make decisions. But then there is just fear itself. Like we are afraid that doing the thing that we want to do is going to put us in some sort of peril. And our brains, it seems like, are really bad at understanding the difference between actual legitimate peril, if I jump off this cliff, I might die. If I do this very risky thing, I might actually harm myself. Uh, Versus if I raise my hand in the meeting, if I um, take this new endeavor on, um, we, we sort of put the fear of doing those things in the same category as getting eaten by a bear. And getting eaten by a bear is a very good thing to be afraid of if you are in proximity to a bear. Uh, but it's a terrible thing to be afraid of when you are at home in bed in the middle of the night, right? Getting eaten by a bear shouldn't be at the top of your list. And so very often we are putting, we are procrastinating things because we are afraid of some terrible outcome that is very, very unlikely to actually happen. But it feels real and it feels like something that um, we should be very afraid of. And so our bodies react in this way. Now, your body um, is a pretty remarkable machine, but it's also kind of stupid in some ways. And so putting yourself on the spot is crazy dangerous as far as your body is concerned. Um, Your brain is going to equate the danger of putting yourself on the spot in a very like primal way. It's going to react in ways that are trying to protect it from this danger, even though the danger isn't really life-threatening at all. And so it's, it's kind of like when we say, man, I'm going to, I'm going to start this, this new thing, or I'm going to start volunteering. I'm going to go once a week and I'm going to help in this way. That if that's something that, that unnerves us, if that's something that sort of makes us afraid that it's like a bat signal for this part of your body that says, "Uh uh-uh, no, my job is to keep you from being in danger. And all the signals you're giving me are that we are going to be in danger. So I'm going to give you every bit of information that that I can come up with as to why you shouldn't do it, or at least why you shouldn't do it right now. It's almost more sinister, right, to think of doing it next week than never doing it all. Because... When we say, I'm not going to do it at all, it frees us up to go look at other things, right? We have now eliminated something and we can move forward and look at other possible ways to spend our time, energy, money, whatever. But when we say, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, when we hold that thing, it is like there's this encumbrance fund <laughs> of, our, of our money or our time or our energy or whatever that we're saying, I also can't get involved in other things because I'm sort of planning on doing this thing. 
And so it is kind of sinister when we when we procrastinate on these things and we we just put ourselves in a holding pattern with a, a bunch of different things in our life. So I think this bias for action is really important. Now, a bias for action doesn't mean to go run willy-nilly and just do anything and everything that pops into your mind. A bias for action simply means that you are going to do the homework you need to do and you are going to do only as much of it as is necessary to get moving. That your bias is if I if if the options are to plan a little more or to start something, I'm going to err on the side of starting something. I'm going to put myself into action. My wife and I have been on the treadmill uh, many days a week since the beginning of the year. And uh, if you know me, you know my feelings about um, New Year's resolutions, but we're going to say this was a resolution that coincided with the start of the year. Uh, you could make that same resolution today. That's totally cool. But around the, the beginning of the year, we started getting on the treadmill every day. And in my mind, to start something like that means I have to commit to doing it all the time, every, you know, five days a week. And it's got to be this really intense kind of major thing. And at some time I gave myself, at some point I, I gave myself the grace to say, you know what, just get up there and walk for 30 minutes. You don't, even have, to, you don't have to run. You don't have to break this ma major sweat. Right now you are not doing anything at all to add movement into your life. So if you just got up there and you just walked a couple miles, then man, that's, that's better than nothing. And that to me is an example of a bias for action. Instead of saying, I need to do it this great way, or I need to make this magnificent thing happen and be able to tell all my friends on Facebook, hey guys, I ran 45 miles yesterday afternoon because I, I, I don't know any circumstance where that would be a good idea. But <laughs> um, to develop this bias for, I want to get started. What do I need to do to get started? not what do I need to do to be perfect, because perfect is not an option, ready is really not an option. But I had enough of the tools in place. I had a treadmill, I had electricity to operate the treadmill, I had legs. So those were the basic recipes to start walking. And I, I think that in a lot of cases, um, we are mired in this, um, I want it to be a big, amazing thing and I'm not willing to settle for something simple that gets me started. So developing a bias for action is really just developing this sense that it is best to start, to get in motion. It doesn't have to be the whole thing, and it doesn't have to be in front of everybody. But what do I need to do to get this moving forward, to take one step in the right direction? We have a sign here at Dateline that says simplify and execute, because I need to hear that a lot. And I don't know about you, but there, there are many times when I will try to overplan or to overcomplicate something when really there is a more elegant, simple solution that we could start and we can learn from. Okay, So I want to give you a couple of projects that I've worked on recently that maybe illustrate this to, to some degree. But I, I think that that a good question to ask when you're thinking about this bias for action, you're thinking about what it means to simplify and execute, is to think about what if I had to start tomorrow? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a pass on today, right? We're going to assume that it's not possible to start today. But what if I had to start tomorrow? What if this crazy thing that I'm working on, what if I had to put it into motion tomorrow? 
how does that change the the volume of you know what you're trying to do how does it change your relationship to putting one foot in front of the other um i know that that the idea of going on vacation is a great focusing tool right when you know you're leaving the office at four o'clock on friday and you're not coming back for two weeks uh you know what to do on wednesday afternoon like you know the thing suddenly you're you become a genius about what needs to get taken care of and what requires your attention and the same thing happens when we put ourselves on the spot and say tomorrow's the day i can only do whatever i can put together before now and tomorrow that's going to be the starting point um i'm not saying you should necessarily do that there are some projects that if you had the idea today starting tomorrow might be a bad idea but developing that that ability to say okay what is the shortest lead time to get an adequate product so in january i also started a a a little project called brighton january that some of you may be familiar with but for those of you that aren't the basic gist was i posted a 60 second or less little prompt every day of january to get people thinking about doing something generous or being thankful or just doing something kind for the people around them. Because in Fairbanks, Alaska, uh, January is a long, dark month. It is cold and we are sort of at that, that valley of you know, the least amount of light in the, in the year. And the holidays are over and it's a, a great time to really sort of settle into being melancholy and blah. And I, I wanted to give people a little prompt every day to hopefully get them thinking outside of themselves and maybe just thinking about what is good around them. So I have been creating videos and I have been sort of running my mouth long enough to, knew that, to know that I had enough to start. I had the, the technology I needed. I, I had the enough of an idea of what I wanted to accomplish that I could put it into action. In fact, I, I came up with it on a Friday and was literally recording the first episodes on a Monday. So I was able to put this into action to get it started within the span of three days, and because, partly because I had resources on hand and I was working out of an area of strength, uh, out of an area where I had tools, I had um, a, a competency that I could lean on. So I knew that I had enough to get started and that I would learn as I went. I knew that as the month went on, I would, I would adapt and sort of change and make notes and that there would be things that would come up in, in the act of doing um, that I couldn't necessarily plan for. And I believed it would be good this year, but if people had an interest, if it sparked people's curiosity a little bit, that um, doing it again next year, it would be even better. That along the way, I was going to learn the things I needed to learn to refine it and to make it a better product, for lack of a better word. That's, I don't think of it like a product, but a better presentation maybe um, in the following year. And so it was, I mean, it got, I guess, I don't know, 500 um people paying attention to it within the first handful of days. So I knew I had something that was capturing people's curiosity. And then it became a matter of developing, as I went, um, what I felt like was going to be the, the, best, the best presentation, the best 
kind of ideas and then adapting to the feedback I was getting from people as I went. And so it is almost certain, just like you will never be ready at the front end, it is almost certain you will never really know all the things that you need to know until you start doing something. No matter how much homework you do, no matter how many people who have done it before that you talk to, you are still going to be lacking a certain amount of insight until you do the thing. Until you have the dinner party, you can't know what that dinner party is going to be like. And you have to be willing to say, good enough is okay for the first one. And then we will move on from there. Stephen Pressfield, who is like a personal hero of mine, he talks about terrible first drafts and that the, the successful writer has to produce the terrible first draft in order to get to the really, really good stuff. And there's no way to bypass that. And while I, I'm not suggesting that you just vomit a bunch of stuff out there in your work or your, or your relationships uh, that is terrible in order to learn something, uh, what I, but that I am suggesting that what you already know is probably closer to a good product, a good thing um, than you think. And that the only way to really get that next level kind of insight is to start doing it, is to put on the production, is to call the meeting, is to raise your hand. And you will necessarily learn uh, a lot of good stuff along the way. And so Bright in January, by, by my estimation, uh, was, was successful. And I'm excited to explore that more next year and to figure out how uh, I want to adapt some of the things that I learned along the way to make it even better for the people who are interacting with it. But I, I can assure you it will be better in 2020 because I did it in 2019 than it would have if I had spent all of 2019 planning it. Does that make sense? The act of having done it gives me greater insight for next year than the act of planning for an entire year would have. Uh, we also, at Dateline, we started a, a weekly live show on Facebook. I don't know what you want to call it on Facebook, where we talk about some of our products and services, and we hopefully do it in a way that is interesting and kind of funny and invites people to get to know us a little bit. And we talked about this. We had some sort of you know, internal production meetings. And what, what we came away with very quickly was we need to get our ducks in a row so that we know the basics of what we have to do. And once we start doing it, we're going to learn a lot. So I, I told one of my employees that I'm working with uh, on this, I told Ashley, um, I'm not going to spend a nickel on this until we start it. Uh, because my proclivity sometimes is to say, oh, here are all the cool toys we need. And you use a third of them in real life, and the other two-thirds end up being wasted resources. Or they end up being a stall tactic. Well, we can't start until we get these things, you know, until they arrive and we need to learn how to use them. And so we did our first episode recently, and um, what, I, what I really went into it believing was I, I won't really know what I need until I start doing it. And doing a live show, doing something where you are not editing it later, like this podcast will be edited, um, you are not cutting out parts, you are not, you do not have the luxury of stopping and starting over. You have to do it from start to finish in real life. Um, that, is a, that is a whole different kind of thing that is very difficult to rehearse. It's, it's fine to, to 
plan your agenda and to know kind of here's where we're going from here to there. But you cannot rehearse live unless you're going to do it completely scripted and you just have to memorize your lines. So what we're doing is trying to create something where we show up, we do something that's interesting, we talk about something that we think is going to be valuable to a certain segment of the population, and there is no way for us to perfectly script that because it's not going to be human anymore, right? For us to, to just memorize our lines, no one's going to want to watch that. So it necessarily has this inherent risk of we're going to try to be two actual human people here, and that is going to be a little bit of a challenge. So after having done one episode, I immediately knew, okay, here's the things that I need. Here's what I need from a technical standpoint. Here's what I need from a how do we manage comment standpoint and how do we interact with people who are, who are watching. Um, I had done a bunch of homework on the front end, but I knew that there was going to be a certain amount of knowledge and insight that would only come through being in the middle of that and having to say, oh, Wow, yeah, it would be really helpful to dot, dot, dot. So when it comes to starting before you're ready, I want to just kind of reiterate a couple of ideas that maybe will focus this a little bit for you and leave you something to walk away with that helps you. Um, starting before you're ready does not mean starting before you have done any homework or any planning. It does not mean having an idea and immediately running out and putting it on YouTube. Okay, starting before you're ready means uh, that you recognize that there will never be anything called perfect and that you will never be completely ready. Um, even when you think you're ready, there really is no such thing as perfectly ready. Uh, you will learn something new that will make the second time or the third time you do it better than the first. And uh, the exciting thing about this live show yesterday was that the camera was crooked and I thought we were, you know, engaging and, and cute, but um, I immediately can say, this is going to be a great first episode. Like, I am so excited to look back on this episode when we're half a year in and we're going to say, oh my goodness, wow, look at how far we've come. So um, you just will not be perfectly ready. And so the more you can get used to that, the more that you can really embrace the idea that um, there's only so much you can do to prepare yourself and the rest of the preparation is going to come through action. Um, the more you, you really liberate yourself to just start moving. So developing a bias for action, developing a sense of what do I need to do to get moving? Not what do I need to do to make it perfect, but what do I need to do to be able to put one foot in front of the other. Uh, that is a powerful skill to learn and that is something that I, I certainly am still working on all the time. And, um, but, but I do, I, I hear that voice in my head that says, you are stalling. You are, you are planning so that you don't have to, to make a move. So what do we need to do to get you in a position to make a move? And then what if I had to start tomorrow? I think that this is a great question that could sort of help to defeat that procrastination, the fear of moving forward. Uh, what if I had to start tomorrow narrows your focus. It starts to eliminate all the stuff you want to build on top of it to make it more bigger, grander, whatever. Big and grand is excellent, but not if you never do it. If, if you trust yourself to say, I'm going to build this big, amazing thing and I execute all the time so I know that I will do it, then great. 
this message is for people who want to do something and end up kicking the can down the road just a little bit. End up saying, I will do that tomorrow. I would do that next week. So um, for those people, for people like me, <laughs> um, find a way to simplify and execute. Find a way to shave off some of the extra stuff and say, we can add that in once we've started. We can augment a core offering, but we need to start the marketing campaign. We need to invite people over for the dinner party. We need to start volunteering. Whatever it is that's on your list of things that you wish that you were doing right now, I hope that some of these things will help you to say, ah, okay, here's where I'm getting tripped up. And if you ever want to talk about any of this, like legit, I love to nerd out on this. So um, you can hit me up on the old email, Jeff, G-E-O-F-F, at datelinedigital.com. Uh, shoot me a note and say, hey, here's where I think I'm getting tripped up, and that's different than what you talked about. Um, I, I would love to, to talk about those kind of things because I am somebody who, um, who really believes that, that effectiveness matters and that part of effectiveness is actually executing on things, right? Having good ideas is completely unnecessary if you never do anything, right? And I want to be somebody who, when I look back, when other people look at my body of work, um, there is a body of work. There is a body of, oh, you did this, and then you did this, and you made that, and you executed in these ways. Um, that's important to me, and I think that when I think of the people that I like to work with, those are the people I look forward to, people who have a history of executing. And so maybe this will help you to be one of those people. Hey, maybe we can hang out and make some cool things together. Anyway, uh, I, I hope that this has been helpful. I hope that this is, is at least in some way valuable to move you a little bit forward. So thank you for listening and have a great day doing stuff. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to The Spark, our weekly email for people who want to do their very best work. All the details are at datelinedigital.com forward slash spark.